If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'll get there in a minute, but that at least gives you time to find that. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we'll begin in verse 11. There was an army pilot talking to his chaplain after a mission that was life-changing to him. He told the chaplain as he was the pilot of this twin-engine bomber. They had delivered their target. They were on the way back, and both engines of their plane were shot and were burning. The pilot ordered all the men off the plane to jump, and they did. As he tried to keep the plane level so that they could get out, he noticed that towards the end that the plane was in a tail spin and was just going down. There was no way he could get out. And there he was by himself, saw and being in his plane that was heading straight down to earth. He knew that in just a few moments, most likely his life would be over. And the chaplain asked him, you know, what did you think about when you saw your plane spiraling down and knew that most likely in a few moments your life would be over? And the chaplain said, did you think about your family? And the man said, no. Did you think about your friends? And the man said, no. Did you think about your co-pilot who had been killed? And he said, no. And he said, well, what did you think about when you realized you were about to die. And the pilot very softly and quietly said, as our plane headed towards earth, there was but one thought in my mind. And this is what he said. It was the thought that within less than five minutes, I would be standing face to face with God. Now, I don't know if we can even comprehend that statement this morning. We're not in a plane that's plunging to earth. But we also remember times and sometimes we get phone calls in the middle of the night of a loved one who has passed away unexpectedly. We know that life can be fleeting. We know that sometimes one car accident and that could be it. And we could be standing where? Preston and I were having this very conversation, and at that time, I didn't even realize this is where I was heading, but in the sense, in just a moment, we're in this earthly world, we could be on the other side of this world. Daniel Webster stated that the most solemn thought he ever had was that, is that one day he would stand before God and give an account of the deeds he had done in the flesh. Do you know that there will be a day where we'll be standing before God giving an account of our life? You know, last week, Preston told us how to go to hell. Those of you that wasn't here. Well, if we die, and we will, we'll be standing before God. And maybe we don't take that as seriously as we should, 
But one day we will meet God face to face. I don't know if that's something you think about. I don't know if that's something that you dwell upon. But you know, many judgments are mentioned in the Bible. And a lot of times I know we say, well, you know, preacher, that's for the end. But you know, the end could happen at any time. And we need to be familiar with some of the judgments that we will face. Some of the judgments that, that you know, that we will face. And, and, and I say that because we cannot simply say that salvation is all of grace and go on our way. In other words, well, I'm covered by grace and I can go on my way. And, and I understand that. But we still will come face to face with God. And so I want us to look at some of the things. And, and this is a subject that, that uh, again, we could take Sundays <laughs> talking about this. And maybe we should. I just haven't been led yet all the way there. But one of the things I want us to look at this morning is some of the judgments for believers. Some of the judgments for believers. Now, as a sinner, and we're all sinners, right? We need to realize that, that as a sinner, and I haven't forgot 1 Corinthians yet, I'm getting there. And uh, <laughs> when Christ died for our sins, the believer was just... Or I'm sorry, the believer, the believer was judged as a sinner. Now the results was death, and as Christ was slain for our transgressions, but the second result was life for us as we trusted him as our personal savior. So we're all sinners, but what changed? Well, Christ changed things for us. But a lot of times we say, okay, Christ changed or changed us. And, and as a believer, the result is life for us and trusting in him. And that is true. But does that mean we can go on and do whatever we want? No. In 1 Peter, and I'm just going to read this one real quick. But 1 Peter 2.24 says, and this is in the King James, it says, Who is his own self bear our sins? In his own body of the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness by those stripes ye were healed. In other words, what Christ did brought a healing. Look, it's on the screen. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sin, we might live for righteousness. This is what Christ has done for us, we also need to be reminded what Romans 8, 1 says. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And so, yes, our Lord has saved us if we've asked him into our life. But at the same time, as a sinner, we need to see what Christ has done and the judgment that we will face. We also... As a son is another judgment. As a son, having trusted Christ as our personal Savior, the believer has been judged as a sinner and has been forgiven. But now the believer is judged as a son or as a daughter. And the moment we accept Christ as our personal Savior, the sin question, well, one thing is that it's been settled 
It has been settled. But even though the sin question has been settled, we are not, nor can we ever be completely free of our old sin nature. It's still there. It's something we have. And so we, we need to realize, or some in, in biblical studies, we get to this word sometimes called natural depravity. And I know maybe that's a bigger word than, than we want to look at today, but it's a tendency that we have, it's a tendency that we have to do what? Evil. We have that tendency. So when Christians sin, sin, the Bible says that we have what? An advocate. Who's that? Jesus Christ. And, and, and again, we're reminded in 1 John 1, 9, and I don't know if I gave the guys that scripture or not, um, but in that scripture it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So again, to see what Christ has done. So what happens when we stray away from God? What happens when we sin and, and when we disobey God? We need to realize that these, when we do that, these are unconfessed sins. If not judged by us, they will be judged by God. In other words, those unconfessed sins, if we don't deal with them, and surrender to God's will, to Jesus' will, and to ask forgiveness of our sins? You say, well, I've been saved. I'm talking about those that we're doing right now. Then he will judge us. You see, we need to realize that, that still in our life, because of that depravity, because of that, that sinful nature, we, we have to be on the guard and be careful. And realize that God is there through His Son, Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians, well, okay, let's go to 1 Corinthians. I keep going all around it. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess I'm ready. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning with verse 11. For no one, for no one can lay any foundation other than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious. For the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work that, has, that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss, but he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and that is what you are. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool so that he can become wise. 
Well, the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Since it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the reasons of the wise are futile. So let no one boast in human leaders, for everything is yours. Whether Paul or Paulus or Cephas or the world of life or death or things present or things to come, everything is yours. And you belong to Christ. And Christ belongs to God. But let's look at the first five verses of chapter 4. It says, a person should think of us in this way, as servants of Christ and managers of the mysteries of God. In this regard, it is required that managers be found faithful. It is of little importance to me that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I I don't even judge myself, Paul says there. For I am not conscious of anything against myself, but I am not justified by this. It is the Lord who judges me. So don't judge anything prematurely, because the Lord comes, who will both bring to light what is hidden in darkness and reveal the intentions of the earth, of the heart, I'm sorry, and then praise will come to each one from God. There is so much in the scripture that we just read, and as we look at that this morning, We need to see that as believers, as believers in Jesus Christ, as a sinner and as a son and as a servant, we will face God's judgment. But something about judgment. First of all, as we read through that scripture, and I don't know about you, but if we're going to have a judge, I am sure glad it is Jesus. I say that because we know that our Lord is fair and our Lord will go by God's word. We are reminded in Romans 14, 10, where it says, Why does thou judge thy brother? Or why does thou set a naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. He is our judge. We will stand before him. And if Christ is to be our judge at the final day of reckoning, let us not presume to take the place of God. You know, we find in Matthew 7, 1, Judge not that ye not be judged. The day will come when Christ will judge us, and his judgment will be fair, and it will be impartial, and it will be final. How many times are we guilty of misjudging people? You know, even in the Bible, there's an example for us. Eli, he looked at the outward appearance of Hannah, and what did he think? She's drunk. That's right. He looked at the outward appearance of Hannah and he basically summed it all up in his mind. She's drunk and this woman's trying to come into the tabernacle. And boy, he took offense. But what was going on? The Spirit of God 
was inside her. God was moving inside her. Eli couldn't explain it. And the easiest thing for him was that she was drunk. But he made a mistake. But he did what? He accused Hannah. And praise God, she stayed faithful and did not allow that to change things. Sometimes we have to be careful. You know, I always say, you know, sometimes people, well, did you hear what so-and-so's doing? Or did you hear this? Or did you hear that? And, and, and have you walked in other people's shoes? I, I would encourage you, don't even go there. Don't even go there. Unless you have walked in their shoes, sometimes you don't know what they're going through. You know, sometimes, they, well, you know, so-and-so just didn't look themselves today. And we immediately think of something bad. But maybe right before church, maybe the wife did get chewed out by the husband. But she came. Not to be ridiculed, but she came to be lifted up. She came to hear God's word. She came for encouragement. We, we have to be careful that we do not judge others. We need to realize that that is up to the Lord. But we need to see also that when God judges, well, it's going to be totally different Jesus Christ will be our judge, but the judgment that Christ has, and when that judgment comes, it will be by fire. In other words, that's why our Lord tells us that the things we do in this earth, will they stand the test of time? In other words, if we're building with what? Stubble, hay, things that will not last, then what good are they? We are told over and over in the scripture that precious stones, because many times when stones, are, are, are those, those precious stones, when they are heated, uh, they are able to stand the test. The same thing with us. We need to realize, what are we building on? Are we building on the foundation of Jesus Christ? And we need to be reminded, just like in verse 11 that we read, it says, for no one can lay any other foundation than what has been laid down. If we're trying to lay another foundation, we will crumble. We will not last. We will not make it. And it's the same thing. A lot of times we preach and we share and we read scripture that Jesus Christ is the only way to come to the Father, to come to, to God. But what is our world trying to do? It's trying to bypass Jesus every way it can and find another way. And there is no way. And the same thing with the foundation. There is only one foundation. Now, many times we try to build with certain things. And, and, and sometimes we're trying to impress people. Uh, I was trying to learn a new word, Preston. I don't know if I can say it. I'm going to try it ostentatious close okay ostentatious Does anybody know what that means i had to look it up ostentatious it could mean excessive it could mean gaudy okay in other words sometimes people are out there to impress us 
If they've got a ring, it's got to be a big ring. They're going to make sure we see that ring because they think that ring gives them what? Gives them position, gives them status, gives them all those things. But basically, all that is is a a great amount of of wood and hay and stubble that has no value because, again, what are they trying to do with it? We need to realize that in this world, that wood and that hay and that stubble is all going to come to an end. But in verse 15 that we read, it says, If anyone's work, if anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss, but he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Only through our Lord. Only through Him. And so the Bible tells us that we will be judged according to what we have done. And so our motive is very important. You know, again, we've talked about that nobody notices when the the poor widow lady cast her half penny to the treasure. But God does. We need to see what our Lord looks at. Wood and hay and stubble represents the flesh. Gold and silver and precious stones represents the spirit. Wood, hay, and stubble represents the natural. Gold, silver, and precious stone represents the supernatural. And Christ is talking about what we do and what and why we do it. The judgment is is what is one of fire. Now, another thing that was mentioned here, look at verse 14 in 1 Corinthians 3. It says, If anyone work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. What this is referring to is that also Christians will receive rewards. And here's just a few of them. And and one of them is a crown of life. James tells us about that. He said, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord had promised to them that he loves. A crown of life. Another reward is the crown of glory. And again, Peter talks about that as a faithful minister. He was well aware of what the Lord wanted him to do. As a pastor, he knew, and again, the crown of glory. Another reward, it would be the crown of righteousness. And even though the apostle Paul anticipated the coming of Christ, he he again looked and rejoiced in the coming of the Lord. And then the fourth crown or reward is the incorruptible crown. Those who are faithful Christians in the church and are, in, are promised an incorruptible crown. You know, the Olympic Games, a lot of times we like to watch those and where individuals will win the contest and will be crowned. And, and, and some of the older Olympics, a wreath or a crown was put on the winner's head. The Apostle Paul is telling us about the Olympics of life and and what are we striving for? And then also another one is the crown of rejoicing. 
that church members may receive, that judgment is called the crown of rejoicing. And, and, and again, looking to what the Lord will do. One of the princesses of Sweden a few years ago, or it might have been a little bit longer than that, sold some of her crown jewels to build a home for those that, well, for those who would never get well. She was just burdened by that, and she took some of her crown jewels and sold them. And she said, when I go to that place, she says, I see the glitter of my diamonds in every woman's tear today. She took something that, yes, only she had, but used it in a way to touch others. What are some of the things we should do to get prepared for the judgment of Christ or to be prepared for judgment? Look with me again as we look at verses 13. It says, each one's work will become obvious, for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. We need to be a worker for Christ. The Bible makes it clear that we are laborers for the glory of God, and we need to work for Him. There was a woman that worked for a wealthy man. And one day, well, you just say that she was the maid. And she was scrubbing the floor on hands and knees. And as she was scrubbing the entrance of this place, the gentleman that owned it said, Sophia, I understand you are a child of God. And she said, yes, sir. With a big old smile, I'm a child of the king. Well, since you're a child of the king, do you believe that God recognizes you as a princess? And she, she just beamed and said, he certainly does. Well, if God is your father, and if you are a princess and a child of the king, don't you think it's beneath your level to be found here scrubbing those dirty steps. Undaunted, Sophia replied, there is no humiliation whatsoever. She said, you see, I am not scrubbing these steps for my boss. I'm scrubbing them for Jesus Christ, my Savior. You know, it makes us stop and think. What are we... And why are we doing things? If we're just doing it for man, but are we doing it for our Lord? Are we doing it for our King of Kings? Are we doing it for the one that it all matters? We need to realize that one of the things that we need to be doing as we prepare for the judgment is that we need to be working for Christ. And whatever it is, if it's scrubbing floors, we're going to do our best for Him. We're also going to be faithful. We're going to be faithful. Look at chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 again in 1 Corinthians. It says, A person should think of us in this way, as servants of Christ and managers of the mysteries of God. 
In this regard, it is required that managers be found faithful. We were given this life. And God refers to us as stewards. And we need to be about and be faithful. Now, many, many, many years ago, some of you maybe remember in your history class the story of Pompeii in the eruption of Mount Vesuvius. I see there's a joke about that in the building. But one of the things that we see that many people were buried in the ruins. And it was interesting to the, archae- the people, the archaeologists, that were going through that. They, they found some people in deep vaults. In other words, they had gone there for security. But they still died. Some were found in the lofty chambers. Some were found in, I forgot the other place, but <laughs> I, forgot, I just forgot to wrote it, write it down, but, but there was a Roman centurion. He was a guard. And they found him standing at the city gate where he had been placed by his captain and still standing there with his weapon in hand. Now, can you imagine if you were that guy and all of this was going on? Would you stand at your post with your spear in your hand because your captain told you to stand there and the earth beneath you was given away and there was floods of ashes and cinders everywhere. But as they went through their city, there stood that Roman centurion. Where was he? Doing his job. Even to the end. You know, Sometimes we just maybe need to allow that to to sink in and realize that we need to continue to be faithful all the way, all the way to the end. And then lastly, we need to be holy in Christ. Go back to verses 16 and 17. It says, "Don't don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God, what? will destroy him, for God's temple is holy. And that is what you are. We need to strive in our own lives of the importance of being holy for our Lord. The British sometimes can come off kind of stuffy. They have their certain traditions. I don't know if any of you have been to London. I think some of you would be those that would go up to one of those guards and try to make them laugh. Or some of you might be those that try to tickle the horse so that it moves the guard who's on the top of the horse. When the British Empire had holdings in Africa, and we all know that in those days, Africa in those days was, was wild, and, you know, trying to tame Africa 
in those days was just about <laughs> impossible. But one day it was time for their formal dinner and the British officer was in full uniform. Everything was in place. Now we know that at that time there was no air conditioning in Africa, but a, a, a visitor came and was amazed that this British officer was in full uniform. And he said, sir, what are you doing in full uniform? He said, this is our tradition. This is what we do at this meal. And even though I'm not in England right now, this is what we do. Well, the young man just looked at that and said, well, that's crazy. But, you know, for that officer, and I know we could debate it, but for that officer, he had a position. It was important to him that he uphold that position. If we're going to claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then we have a responsibility to be holy. And if we can't be holy, we need to re-examine ourselves. Because to be a child of God, we must be holy. I mean, there are people that when they leave church on Sunday and during the week, people said, you mean they go to your church? In other words, they're making reference to your character. They're making reference to, man, I can't believe they even go to church if that's the way they're at. Now, not that you have to stand before me, but we, you will stand before God. And we need to see the importance of being holy. Because that is our responsibility, to be holy and a representative of Jesus Christ. And so... Think about that final judgment. And where will you be? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you praise. And Lord, as we just allow this scripture to sink in. Lord, sometimes we forget about the folly of human wisdom. And we get so wrapped up in it because the world now is accepting so many different things that we tell ourselves that it must be okay. But Lord, may we see the importance of being that faithful manager, being that faithful servant to do those things you've commanded us to do. And Lord, that we would be faithful in all that we do. We ask this in your son's name. Amen.